Good afternoon, uh, Alon Litsia from Panda. We're here with PressurePoint. I'm really excited to be joined by Laverne Ramshibi from PwC. She's an associate director there as part of their financial services team. And we're here to talk about a lot of things ranging from the future of work to AI, but specifically, we're gonna start with a new report released by PwC, uh, focused on Africa, but it is a global report about the hopes and fears of employers and employees. So Laverne, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm so excited that I got an invite to Pressure Points. Really excited to be engaging with you today. You're on the top of our list, so I'm glad <laughs> we managed to get the time right. So yeah, thanks so much. Really exciting to see the report come together. Um, I think, as always, an unexpected world-class report, as expected, from PwC. Uh, what are some of the, the highlights? What are the hopes and fears of um, African workers? Yeah, so PwC Hopes and Fears report we ran globally. Um, so, you know, we had quite a few respondents coming in over, you know, 20 to 30,000 odd people giving a view in terms of what are they hopeful of in the future and what are some of the things that they're fearing? So we live in a world that is forever changing. Um, we're also living in a world where there's many pressures coming through from an employee perspective, an employer perspective, and hopes and fears really tries to capture some of those key things. So what are some of the components that the workforce is hopeful by? I think there's lots of opportunity from a skills perspective. So what are the new skills I can have? How do I empower myself in my job? Um, you know, growth and career progression is coming through quite strongly as well. Personalization. We are in a phase of employment where employees want the workplace to be personalized and that means choice for the employee. So that is also coming through quite strongly in terms of employees want a place that they can choose how to work, where to work, where, um, why to work, you know, there's different components of it. And I think naturally some of the fears we all know, AI is here to stay, it's not going anywhere, it's happening at the moment as we're engaging. So fears around, you know, AI, um, what part of my role is going to be taken away, how do I infuse myself um, as part of that? I think continuous trends in terms of reward and how I get paid is something that's coming through from a, from a fair perspective. Um, we know that we're under great market constraints and the economy as well. So lots of emotions, lots of feelings, lots of thoughts around, um, you know, what is there that we can be excited about? But what are some of the fears we have that as organizations, as HR, as employers, we need to think about to solve so that we keep our strong talent in Africa? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so much to unpack there. I think maybe let's start on skills. I think there, there's so much that I want to dig into. Like, what are the skills of the future? Like, I mean, how do we make sure our workforces are future ready? Love this question. <laughs> so quite a big trend at the moment that we're seeing is around data and digital skills. Um, so uh, coding, DevOps, um, you know, how do we build solutions in place? How do we get platforms right? And then analytics. It's not just about data anymore. It's not about putting numbers in a spreadsheet, but it's really about what does this mean? And how do you empower 
an employee to be able to do that. So data and digital is basically a, a very big theme at the moment um, in terms of skills that we're seeing. Um, and I think, you know, what's also quite powerful about it is that it is actually causing a war on talent. So people are fighting specifically for, for those skills. Um, other skills are becoming more important. So I think Often we taught that you need to have a technical skill. So what can I deliver from an output perspective? So whether it's accounting or it's HR or it's marketing, technical skills, but softer skills are also becoming more important. Power skills are becoming more important. And that means communication. It means how you engage. It means how you tell a story. Um, and those skills are also starting to, to emerge. So data and digital is a big topic everywhere. And I think if we look at it from an Africa perspective, one of the greatest challenges we face is how do we actually keep that talent we have in South Africa at home? Because a lot of global firms are hunting for that data and digital talent in South Africa. And that's a great attribute for us because it means we have a workforce that can deliver that. But it's bad because we're losing the most powerful assets we have, which is people. Yeah. So sure, there, there's, there's so much there. I think. I think just saying I want to just say is that like I think your point around just South African talent being global talent and I think that's something that we just don't give enough credit for. I think yeah. talent here is really world class and I mean I, I think it's a positive that you know international firms are recognizing that um, but it's important that employers in the SA context focus on like the employee value prop. So what can they be doing? Absolutely. To ensure there's a strong employee value prop. 100%. Yeah. And I think it's such a big question at the moment. So quite a few organizations are thinking about different ways to retain talent. And I think what's amazing about the evolution around it, it's not just I'm going to retain you by paying you a salary anymore. I think employees are asking for more. So they're asking to be part of an organization where their values are aligned, where purpose is there and it's living and it's breathing every single day. Um, they want to be part of a workforce or a workplace where they can grow, like I said previously. So organizations are looking at different ways to enhance career progression. Um, and I think we were chatting about this earlier on. I think as South Africans specifically, we're very traditional um, and we have been brought up to think in a linear way. So you go to school, you get a degree, you get a job, you get a salary, and you support your family. It's very, very linear. And you stay in that job for a really, really long time. Where we're sitting at now, and one of the key mechanisms or components that employers are looking at is, how do we break that linear path? How do we say to an employee, actually, we do want to grow you, we want to empower you to, if you're a sales agent in the contact center, how do we make you a, HR manager or a project manager or you know a data analyst. So organizations are looking at different ways to flex their um, skills so the employees can grow and learn, but also create fluidity in terms of what roles you can move into. And I think we're seeing a big change from organizations being role-based. So as Alon, I put you in a job role and that is who you are for forever and rather identifying value in the skills you have and how I move those skills around. Yeah. So that's definitely a big thing. Yeah, I think that's so important and it links back to your point around skills development and the skills of the future. Yeah. I think it goes two ways, right? I think, you know, 
individuals need to take ownership of their own skill development, but at the same time, there needs to be enablement from the organization. Yeah. So what are some of the steps that organizations can take to future-proof their workforce and their talent? I definitely think the first thing I would recommend is understand what skills you have in your organization. So you need to have an assessment of that. But skills mean nothing if they're not delivering what your business mandate is to, to deliver. So as much as you need to understand what skills you have, you need to understand your business and where your business is growing to, and then do a match between the two. So if, you, if there's enhancements or investment that's going into a certain area, you need to make sure that your skills are identified to, to get you there. The third, the second thing or second part of that then that you need to do once you know what your business needs and what skills you have is to then say what's your gap. Um, and you can do the gap at a role level. So assess, do I have at a role level the proficient skills to deliver the role I need this to be? Or then at an individual level to say, is my workforce actually delivering what this role is required to deliver? And do a bit of a skills assessment there. And then it's really about having conversations with employees to say, we know where our business is going. We know the skills we need. Here's where you're sitting. Where do you want to go? Here's the opportunities you have for that. Um, and then having that coaching, learning path conversation to get your employees to there. And I think the biggest thing in that is your organization has to have the culture for that change. So it's all great saying, we want to create a fluid workforce and if I'm Laverne, I can go work in function A and Alon can go work in function B. But if the culture of the organization and the leadership of that organization don't agree to that and enable that, it's going to get stuck. So culture is also really important in creating that new ways of working, that new ways of thinking, you know, leadership values coming into play that actually says, yes, this is the angle we're going to go into. We have to break the traditional thinking of growth and, and where people go and owning people and owning um, certain skill sets and, and such. Yeah, I think that that's super clear. I think saying for me, which I think is clear and it's clear in the report is that, and it's something which I say to the team is that the only constant is change, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, it leads to my next question around, how do you build resilience in people and how do you create a supportive environment? And it goes to the point that you touched on previously around culture and how do you drive the right culture and how do you support employees? Because I mean, we've spoken a lot about professional development and skills development, but if your culture is not right, if people do not feel supported, you're, you're missing a trick, right? Because you can have the skills development, but the full picture is not there. So what a what are some steps organizations can take? I think the, the first point for me is you've got to start with leadership. So I think the role of leadership is fundamentally, like the world is changing, employees are changing, leadership is also changing, right? So it starts at the top. It's, it's the tone that you set at the top in terms of creating this environment where all these amazing things can you know happen and, and be implemented. So leaders need to be able to have those transparent parent conversations with the employees to be vulnerable, to bring their true selves to work. It's another thing that came up in our report is your authentic self. So 
leaders need to show that behavior as well by acting, not just by saying. So leadership is, is probably very critical to getting that culture right and creating a space for that. And action and doing means everything. Um, so being also servant leadership in that, I think it's not bureaucratic anymore. It's, it's around that servant leadership role. It's how do I, you know, enable and serve my team so that they can deliver the best, but guide and support where I need to. So I think that's actually one, one of the most critical points. I think the second thing that's emerging quite, you know, importantly is creating a space. And I, I mentioned the authentic self, but it's protecting the authentic self too. Life is hard. There's lots of change everywhere that's happening. So well-being is becoming a key component in terms of how do we create spaces and environments for safety, but spaces and environments where people can actually look after their well-being. Um, there's avenues, you know, for the support to, to come in, but also it has to be personalized to me. Don't do a blanket approach um, around it. And then I think the, the last one really is just from a team perspective, it's, it's just communication and that transparency and the new ways of working and breaking the silos. Yeah, so I think all of it, you know, it sounds so obvious, but it's amazing how organizations just get that wrong. Yeah. But it really does come down to vulnerability, authenticity. Um, I love the concept of servant leadership. I think the communication aspect also critical. I think if, you, if people don't have context, they, you know, I think certain decisions within an organization can be misinterpreted. Yeah, so that communication piece is, is so important. But the one I, I really want you to kind of maybe double click on is personalization, right? Yeah. Because I think that's a big theme coming out of the report and something which is maybe a new concept for a lot of people and something which I don't think organizations are thinking about necessarily. It's like, let me roll out a solution and I've ticked a box and it's the same thing for everyone and everyone must kind of take what they can get, but that's changing. So I'd love yeah. to understand that. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to look like, even if we look at, at the world and the history of the world, we've gone through different evolutions um, and it's the same with the employee. So history lesson quickly, we've gone through, you know, the while we while being started about a couple of years ago, we, like, we have to focus on it and roles were created and interventions were created um, and it continues to grow today. We've gone through the age of digitization. We're in a digital age. We need to learn how to work with different tools and everything is now online and, and you know, what are those components? And now we are in the phase of personalization. And what does that mean? As an employee, it's the same mentality as a customer. As Laverne, as a customer, when I walk into my favorite shop or my, when I'm shopping for my favorite brand, there's a reason why I'm attracted to it. It is offering something that I need that's important to me. And I have choice to choose which offering is best to deliver the need that I have. And it's the same concept with employees. As employees today, we have choice. Um, I think COVID um, accelerated a lot of those components and a lot of that thinking, where you can choose how long you work, where you work, the type of work that you do. Um, and so personalization needs to be woven now into the EVP, into how we construct jobs, into how we're looking at total reward. Um, I think if we look at reward, for example, we can't have benefits anymore where it's forced on that employee. How do we bring flexibility in benefits? 
from a career perspective, we spoke a lot about um, reskilling and learning new skills so that you can move into other functions you normally wouldn't find yourself in because of the degree that you specifically studied. So flexibility in growth and flexibility in career. Um, another aspect of personalization comes into hybrid ways of working. Do I want to work in the office? Do I want to work at home? The concept of the office is also changing now these days. People associate coming into the office not to, I'm going to come in and I'm going to sit behind my desk and I'm going to open my laptop and I'm going to work for the next eight hours. But the concept of the workplace is changing. It's now a place where I can connect. I can have relationships and chats like this. Yeah. It doesn't mean work or productivity anymore. So people are associating these different buckets of uh, areas in a workplace to does this align to purpose? Does this align to values? Does this align to where I want to grow? And obviously there's a give and take to that. I mean, they, we, we, we live in a world that, that's governed by rules and such, but it's all about how do I create the flexibility to a degree that I can allow my employee to have choice in the workplace. So personalization is, is happening and there's different areas to think about it. So I'll summarize, total reward, career progression, hybrid ways of working are key ones that are coming up more and more. And the, really the question is, how do you create flexibility to a degree in those spaces? I think that, that's really clear. And I think it goes back to your, your concept of servant leadership and enablement and empowerment and different people in a different life circumstance. And I guess your choices also evolve over time, right? If you choose a certain benefit in a certain stage, that may change as your life circumstance changes. So it makes a lot of sense. And again, I think it's something within reason organizations can implement. Absolutely. I think what we haven't touched on is some of the fears. And, you know, we spoke a bit about AI. And I think that was, you know, with the launch of ChatGPT and I'm sure every organization's thinking about being, you know, AI approved for hacking. All the risk policies are like, don't touch ChatGPT at work. Exactly. Yeah. But, but is it something that we should be scared of? Like, how should organizations think about it? Look, I think when you read the report, most people are actually excited about it. There are a few that are naturally fearful in terms of, AI and generative AI and chat GPT, which is the new buzz that's taken over the, the world um, in the last couple of months, in terms of, is this going to replace my job? Um, and for me, I think it's actually more an exciting opportunity because I think about it of how am I going to use chat GPT or AI to enable my job? And yes, your job will change. But change is not bad. Change means you need to adapt and reinvent yourself. So, you know, like ChatGPT, obviously um, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's a base that is endless um, and people are using it literally as we're speaking. But I see it as more of a great platform to use as a thought starter um, at an individual level. Obviously at an organizational level, um, it's looked at quite differently, but using it in your everyday life to check a concept or check a point of view or use it as a thought starter is, is, is fantastic. I think from a workplace perspective, and I'll put my employer hat on now, obviously you want to be able to govern it in terms of data that's being shared um, and you know those specific components. But from an employee perspective as an individual, um, it's a, it's a great tool to upskill yourself, to use it to accelerate your role. Like stuff that used to take you two weeks to do, 
because you have to pull all the research together and you have to synchronize it. Now it takes a couple of seconds to do. My question is, what can you do with the additional time that you have that you couldn't get to? That for me is the value question. So yes, it is fearful. Do we know where it's going to end up? No, but that's what makes life exciting. But can you use it to empower yourself, especially at, a, at an individual level? Absolutely. Um, and I think organizations um, and corporates and employees are thinking about ways in which we incorporate it into our work because we don't want to be doing mundane tasks. We don't want to be doing things that are super operational. We want to be doing stuff that's adding value. And that's where the energy and focus is going towards. Yeah, I, I think I that framing is great, right? So don't think about it as the scary thing. And I understand the concerns and I understand the fears, but it's a superpower, right? So what can you do with this new superpower that you can now unlock? And I think it's also an equalizer. I mean, obviously there are still constraints, right? And I'm not sitting here naively and thinking everyone's got equal access, but at the end of the day, everyone, if you can get access to an internet connection and a device that allows you to access the technology, it is an equalizer. Absolutely. And, and that's empowering and I think that's exciting. And it's really, yeah, it's exciting to think what, what people can develop with all this extra time, all this extra knowledge that they wouldn't previously have access to. And I think a great opportunity because the question is how do we close the gap especially in Africa and South Africa, there is a large component that don't have access to that. So, you know, let's leverage it and use it to see how you actually close the gap. It, for me, it's about opportunity and how you, you optimize it. And I think there's a role organizations can play Absolutely, there as, well. as well as governments and education systems and such and how we weave all of that in. And yeah, I think, I mean, there's probably a whole podcast that we can get into. <laughs> Absolutely. How we can use chat GPT to power the future. Um, but I, I think in closing, I think this has been a great conversation. I think we've, we've covered so much um, around you know, hopes and, and fears, but also practical steps that organizations can take. If there was maybe three takeaways that you want to leave um, you know, business leaders, HR teams or individuals with off the back of the report, what would those three takeaways be? Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, how do you challenge the, the skilling components, breaking the silos, um, making it more fluid. Um, and that means you need to change your job architecture and roles. So really think about reskilling, upskilling, making it quite, quite agile and, and, and different. I think the second thing is culture is quite important. Um, so whatever you do from a transformational perspective, your culture is going to enable that. So what is the role of leadership in that? What are the new ways of working in that? What are the values that are being derived from that? And I think my last point is personalization. Um, we can't do blanket approach over employees anymore. So how do we create flexibility in reward and career and ways of working that makes them feel like it's tailored to me, but also driving your business at the end of the day. Awesome. So I think it all comes down to alignment. Uh, I think just to summarize, a big thank you to Laverne for joining us here today. I think you know, you, you've hit the summary home, but just to reiterate the importance of upskilling, the importance of leadership leading through example, and finally, the future wave of personalization. And I think for everyone, uh, think about you know, how can you use ChatGPT as a superpower? Absolutely. Let's embrace, let's not fear. So thanks so much, really appreciate it. And signing off from Pressure Point.